just to forewarn you, there are some audio issues on this because someone, I won't say who, forgot to put batteries in their recorder at the start of the episode. So it does go off at a certain point before we notice and put those batteries back in. But uh, yeah, you might notice a bit of a change in the audio quality at a certain point. Sorry about that. Hello, welcome to Utopia Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line, as usual, from Sonny Lindley. It's David Hartrick. How are you doing? Not bad, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. All the better for Huddersfield Town's result at the weekend. Uh, it was 4-0 against Reading. I, I have double-checked. They definitely did win 4-0. They definitely did play superbly. We talked after the Everton game about the promise that that performance had showed, and we said on that podcast, if they play that way against Reading, they'll win. I don't think we expected quite such a comprehensive victory, though. No, I, and I think before we get into how town, how, how town did it and how good they were, I think we have to make the usual caveat that Reading were rotten. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> rubbish rotten. terrible um, you could see why they had the worst defense in the championship this season they were really poor but what was really nice was that it was really good that town sniffed blood really and then went after yeah. it because they got they got that goal in the first half which they completely deserved but you could see about five minutes in they thought hang on a sec there's absolutely nothing to be scared of here yeah completely i mean they they were there for the taking and i think this is is it the first time maybe under carlos gorbrand that we've seen town put together a full 90 minutes from first minute to the last they were completely in control completely on top reading got practically nothing in the way of chances all game i mean i showed my wife the highlights um on my phone after the game and there literally wasn't a single reading highlight it was all all town um and that was a fair reflection of the game i don't think any reading fans that had gone to the john smiths could have got home and said hang on where's where's this chance gone but Town were excellent, sort of from from the goalkeeper right up to the centre forward. Every player contributed. Um, the own, you know, Lewis O'Brien wasn't great the first sort of thirty minutes. Dribbled it into touch under no pressure a couple of times and put a couple of passes astray. Um, but then he pops up with with the opening goal. Um, we'll talk more about Lewis O'Brien later in the show when we get onto the onto the uh, the transfer deadline. The the, the We'll talk about Lewis O'Brien later in the show when we get onto a review with the transfer window. But um, it's good to see that side of his game coming through, particularly in that three-four-three. Because you messaged me, Dave, when I you, you missed the game, you were you were unwell. But I, I messaged you saying, uh, you know, Lewis is having a, a a bit of a stinker here, and you messaged saying we might not see the best of him in the three-four-three. But I think that goal sort of indicates the role that he can play if Gorbrand sticks with this system, because he's talked about wanting to improve the attacking side of his game. He was talking about that back in January. I think we started to see signs of that second half of last season where he was by a mile town's best player. Um, But he was there popping up in the box to apply the finish at the right time. And hopefully that's something we see more out of him this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think... um... I was watching the game from home and you never get the you never get the same picture as you get in the ground and I think the thing was he needed that goal because he has struggled a little bit since he's come back from covid I think for a variety of reasons I think possibly the the transfer stuff which we'll get onto obviously plays a part and covid plays a part etc he was quite different after that 
goal and the system yeah. seemed to work much better almost instantly and we are going to get to the transfer stuff and the create lack of a creative midfielder but there may be there are ways you can compensate for not having a passer in there a Carol Lighting and I think Lewis O'Brien suddenly becomes quite a big part of that yeah big time and the way that they sort of got around not having that creator in the middle this time round was as we expected everything went down the flanks and especially went down Sorba Thomas's side his his flick over the head we, we talked about the one he did against Everton uh, and this one actually turned into an assist the, the cross was a was a scuff but it only needed to be a scuff he just needed to put it direct it into an area he didn't need to sort of you know hit a man's head or anything it was just putting it across the box uh, Danny Ward had, had pulled a defender away and it, it left O'Brien completely free in the middle to, to sort of just tap it past the keeper almost I mean we can't talk about this game without talking about Sorba Thomas it's the first we think it's the first 10 out of 10 we've given in the examiner since 2004 um and who was that in 2004 uh Effie uh against Oxford um although Mel also gave 10s to all of the 2004 playoff final winning team as well but I'm not (laughs) counting that um we think I mean surely Jordan Rhodes would have got one for his four goals against Wickham but but as far as Mel could recall that was the last one was Effie Sudgy. Um, he was just completely unplayable. I mean, we really, uh, to <laughs> a glimpse around the curtain, we even got a, an email from our sort of the head of regional sport, Greg Johnson, at the start of the season saying, don't give out 10s sort of willy nilly. That is a, you know, should be a special thing. But it was a special performance. And like, I just couldn't find a reason not to not to mark him down to a nine to be honest you know he got the two assists he got the goal and he was doing that kind of thing even before he he teed up Lewis O'Brien's goal he was just ridiculous yeah he was and um, I spoke to him on Friday for the the club preview show is that a coincidence that he again gets a 10 not for me to say Steve um but no he was he was completely unplayable on the day he's full of confidence I went through his stats with him on the town preview show and it was they they've only improved vastly since you know he's he's averaging over four key passes a game and I think Lewis O'Brien was the closest to him with 0.5 <laughs> so he's mm. it's not just that he is playing well in town's attack at the moment he is town's attack and that's not going to last all season um I would suspect the amount of coverage there has been on various EFL programs, Twitter accounts, articles, etc. He's going to find himself doubled up uh, with two defenders in the next couple of games. And he, he's got to find ways to get around that and overcome that. But that's part of the process. But Town have got a very, really, really good young player here who's got the right attitude, who wants to learn, who can put in a, a, a proper game-changing performance like that. Because like two assists and a goal... And the goalie got a little bit of luck, but he got the little bit of luck that he hasn't had in other situations this season, you know, when he hit the inside of the post against Preston. So I've absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. And yeah, You create your own luck, don't you? Yeah. We, we, we talked about this last season. When you're willing to take chances, you're willing to run at people, sometimes you get that lucky bounce. You need to be willing to go for it to get those bounces in the first place. Yeah, and Town have had... Historically, Town have been so risk adverse, and their players have been so risk adverse. It's it's really really cost them. So to have a player who just wants to try, and that's all it comes down to. They just want to try everything. 
that is it makes a huge huge difference and it was it felt quite special on Saturday really it was in the sunshine it was a 4-0 win it was a a decentish crowd there it felt like everybody knew about Sorba Thomas but it feels like going into the next game he's the one everybody's going to be watching everybody's going to be looking for going to be an awful lot more Sorba Thomas shirts I think over the next uh, month or two. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you talk about him getting doubled up on. It's something we saw with um, with Carlin Grant a couple of years ago and, and Josh Caroma last season, not that it particularly slowed him down. But I think the encouraging thing is that this isn't sort of a one-man attack as it, as it was at times with, with Caroma last mm-hmm. season, where Caroma was the only one who was sort of trying to, to force the issue and make things happen. Town have got, if they double up on Sorba Thomas, they've got Danel Sanani probably in space ahead of him. You know, they've got Lewis, Brian doing things you know coming through and we talked about getting into the final third looking to get goals and assists Harry Toffolo had a fairly sort of unremarkable game um, by his own standards um still a good game don't get me wrong but just sort of you know within the context of this performance not not sort of the first name that you would reel off he could get more space on on the left hand side we know how dangerous can be up how dangerous town can be up that side and you know we saw Josh Caroma bursting past a man muscling past a man really on the the on the way to the fourth goal um it's it's weird now to be talking about Huddersfield Townside that has threat in multiple different areas. Yeah, I think it's important not to get carried away. I think, as I said, it's mm. we, we have to look back over the course of the season. I'm not trying to put a downer on anything, but very average against Derby, you know, pretty awful against Fulham, not very good against Preston, but they got the win. Okay against Sheffield United in acting a game plan. This is the first time we've seen a really, really good, confident performance. Admittedly against... Well, in a league game anyway. In a league game, yeah. Um, Admittedly against a fairly rotten opponent who I... (laughs) I'm fairly convinced could well go down now, to be brutally honest with you. I think I did mark them as they could be in trouble this year, but they, they were that bad. But I think the confidence and the attitude and the risk-taking and the just... It felt like a breath of fresh air, if I'm honest, from That's what exactly we've seen for the, for the last couple of years. And long may it continue, really, because confidence and momentum are such huge factors in football we have me and you Steve since we've been covering town for the examiner and to be brutally honest for me covering them since we've been covering them for Opta which was the first Premier League season we've never really seen a, a town side confident high bit of momentum behind them wanting to go for it wanting to take risks it would be really really good if that Reading platform a game is a platform for them to take that forward a little bit um who knows to be honest with you but they have a very very good looking september they have a you know there's there's nothing really to fear in september for them if they can just carry that on a little bit get a few couple more wins under their belt yeah, you know, this isn't a very good league. No one, <laughs> me or you aren't going to sit here and say they're definitely going to get promoted or playoffs or anything like that, but no. it's not a very good league and they could find themselves sort of comfortably in mid-table and not thinking about relegation by February and that would be such a difference. That would be such a boost for this football club after the last 
three years, I mean, arguably four, though they did stay up in the Premier League, but just to not have that fear of relegation in March and April completely changes the shape of your summer, doesn't it, Steve? Yeah, completely. I mean, I think, not to sort of tip our hand too early before we get into the discussion properly, but I think they've recruited well this summer. Um, And as you say, it's sort of, if you can hold on to, you'd expect one or two to go, but if they can hold on to most of those players and keep the core of the squad there, you would hope that, that, you know, if things go well this year, then they can really have a go next season. But I think we're, as you say, we're not getting, despite the fact they've had three wins in a row, we're not getting carried away with that just yet. I think where the optimism comes from is that this this performance and this win was coming because they have, they've gradually, since Fulham, they've stepped up the performances as you've sort of alluded to, game by game. And that Everton game was, despite the scoreline, um, so encouraging and was the Reading performance was basically the same as the the Everton performance, except it was against a bottom, you know, mm-hmm. a bottom tier championship side and not a Premier League opponent. And that bodes really well. You know, it's I think that is what makes it feel different and is what has made us a little bit more optimistic than say the four one against Swansea last year, where when last season where that, where that we, was just the weirdest second half of football I've ever yeah, seen before. It wasn't a whole it was wasn't a full 90 minutes that game no I remember we sat and dissected that and talked talked through just the fact that every sort of you know we talk about the bounce that 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 Sober Thomas got on his run through for the third goal against Reading but that Swansea game was a game where sort of town had just like four of them for, mm. for every goal they just something just sort of went their way for every every goal and this didn't feel like that this felt like it was coming this felt like they had been working up to this and I don't think anyone even the fans who are generally speaking on on social media sort of sharing our cautious optimism even they have that cautious tag on there no one is sitting here saying oh playoffs here we come um I think everyone is still sort of (laughs) cognizant of the fact that they're not going to do this every week that there are going to be hard times but after the the eight months they've had it's just encouraging and uplifting to get Mid-table would be massive progress for this football club Mm -hmm. and for Carlos Corbran, who has shown this season already that he is a bit more savvy about the Championship, I would say, is a bit less beholden to his ideas. Um, He's a bit more willing to adapt and change and do certain things in certain games to try and win them rather than just sticking to one plan in the hope that that plan will be enough. So I don't like I said I don't think anybody's thinking right they're going to be in fourth position come the end of the season. Nobody can say who knows but mid table would be huge progress. Huge huge progress. This club has gone down to second to last game both of the last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, to to have <laughs> To play out six or seven dead rubbers at the end of this season would be incredibly boring, but would genuinely represent huge progress. And as I said, it does change the course of your summer because you can start to plan things earlier. You can start to speak to players, although officially we know that never, ever happens, Steve, and we would never, ever suggest that. But you can start to speak to players early if that was if you were so uh, so if you went that way 
you can you can just plan so much better you can get organized you can it's be more relaxed you can be to be frank you can be more excited um it would just be so good to be in that position because we've had to have some pretty awful podcasts at the back end of seasons both last year and the year before where we've been weighing up is this going to be a league one podcast next year and neither Mm. of us really want to do a league one podcast when we've town have had a championship squad both years that's that's the reality i know some people don't agree with that but they have this time they have that squad but they're also performing to to slightly above probably where they should be and long may that continue really that's it and obviously all the attention is going to be on the attack and the four goals but i think just their defensive record this season it's you can't just say take the fulham game out of it because that is a game they played it is on the league table that it's a result they had but you know they've conceded two goals in their other four games yeah. uh that is considering they were i mean how many goals did they concede last year let's have a 71 look. i think it is there you go 71 in 46 games so to go from from that um you know mm. that's what it's about a, a goal and a half per game and and to that to, that, know, to then having half a goal per game you've taken you've taken a goal off yeah <laughs> off. as we suspected as well fulham are beating everyone so it was yeah. an awful, awful performance on the day. It really was terrible. But if that marks the low point of the season and then everything else is a, is a bonus from there. Because, again, you've got to remember, Steve, last season we had the Bournemouth game that we thought would be the low point of the season. Then we thought the Norwich game would be the low point of the season. And then we had the Blackburn game after that. Yeah. You know, this, it feels different and that's good. It doesn't feel like Town have got another 5 nil in them unless you know Fulham and West Brom let's be honest they're playing like Premier League sides at the moment I don't think you can judge anyone by what they do against those two at the moment so who knows there but it doesn't feel like they're going to go to Blackburn and lose 5-2 does it? It doesn't I mean we were very strongly critical of the performance against Fulham because I think it, it clearly wasn't good enough but I think we probably have a bit more context for that now having seen what they've done in other games but, remember, but also the second game of the season it, but also it wasn't good enough still it wasn't good enough yeah, they were wasn't. rubbish you know like yeah fulham, fulham only beat i can't remember who it was the other day but they only i, I think it was hull maybe someone stoke, like that stoke, stoke. they only they beat, beat them 2-0 that yeah they beat somebody 2-0 the other day so you don't have to concede five goals to them it was awful yeah. but you know since then things have got a hell of a lot better yeah yeah that's it i mean we've seen more players coming into the team obviously they had the, the covid hit at the start of the season um and they've they've brought new faces in we've seen Tanel Sonani in the starting lineup the last couple of games we've seen Tom Lees has come in uh you know Lewis O'Brien is, is getting up to speed Josh Groom is getting up to speed we talked about that last week the fact that that it is going to take a bit of time for those players to to get up to speed and I mentioned as well in the the conclusions Danny Ward who had his his best performance in the town show against Reading and I I I I almost don't want to be sort of a uh, too apologetic on Danny Ward's behalf because he he hasn't been good enough for town since he's come back. I think there's been reasons for that. Um, obviously, fitness was a big one last year. He missed you know almost the first half of the season and then was was in the side out the side again. I think this year though, his I mean I even wrote in the Sheffield United conclusion. Uh, player ratings I gave him a four in that game but I even said there it's not his fault he was just left completely isolated but I can't give him any more Mm. um and suddenly lo and behold we see him 
playing in the middle of a front three with with the wing backs bombing on in a team that's doing well in attack and he was but it's not just what he was doing in the penalty box his hold up play was you know was really good nearly all of his touches were around the halfway line because they were playing it up to him he'd receive it with his back to goal get it out to someone on the flanks or someone overlapping from from midfield and and get into the box and you know his touch map is sort of tells the whole story I put it in the conclusions because it's a load of touches around the halfway line and then a load of touches inside the box you know that was his whole game on Saturday and I thought he really deserved his goal I thought the way he took it as well (laughs) really amused me like that was so calm you you wouldn't have blamed him in the form he's been in if he'd sort of lashed at that or had been too keen but he just you know Karoma did all the hard work down the left and and put it across the box and his first touch he just poked it around the keeper and then walked it into the net it was it was really good to see and you could see as much as the fans have you know slated him um since he's come back you could see the stadium was was chuffed for him yeah it was a lovely way to uh finish the goal it was a training ground finish that you you sit the keeper down like that on the training ground so it was it's not a goal it's not something you do at one nil that's something you do at three nil up in a game where you're cruising yeah um but I, I thought he looked better, but I I still think there's a little way to go. I hope that goal will serve him well. He looked better the last couple of games of last season after he scored that goal. So here's hoping he can push on from there. But I, I think we'll again we're sort of leaping ahead to the transfer chat. I think there are I think there are games where you play Danny Ward, and I think there are games where you play one of your other options because Town now do have options and I think that one of the interesting things about the systems they use in the 3-5-2 and the 3-4-3 is they they present a sort of series of unique challenges if you're not careful you get what we've had up until that point which is you get a striker that's very very isolated because midfield is too far away from him and Mm -hmm. the, the wide men can be pushed too wide and it just it's a very difficult role to play so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep because one of the big differences was just having people near him. When you've got Lewis O'Brien, who's a bit more confident and he's running forward and he's getting into that space behind the strike, it makes makes a big difference. Because what Danny Ward wants when he, the ball's coming to him is he wants to know where there's somebody within 10 feet of him. He wants to be able to lay it off or potentially you know, use them to beat his own man. And at the moment, mm. he hasn't had that. He hasn't had that. I always felt like, I mean, you and I both raised eyebrows at his selection when the team sheet came out. Yeah. I almost felt after the game like that was almost almost a, a nice thing for Corbrand to do, to recognise, look, we've given you naff all so far. We think we're going to have a go at this game and we'll, we'll do something to him. So we're going to give you, although Fraser's done better the last couple of games, we're going to give you this game to show what you can do because you've you've had you know we've not given mm. you a fair shake basically um again though Campbell had... plays in a different game situation doesn't he that's that's the thing yeah I just I don't think town have got a nailed on starting striker this season now and I don't no. think that's a bad thing either no let's move on to the transfer window then and town have brought that striker in Mipo Adebayo has has come in and uh, from on loan from West Ham United. He came in the night before deadline day, which meant that we were sitting there on deadline day. Both of us are on shift. Not a single rumor about Huddersfield Town on deadline day. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Um, but what have you made of him, Dave? You've had a look through his stats. You've had a look at his footage, as have I. What do you make to this signing? Is an 18-year-old coming in? Obviously, a bit of an unknown. So, what have you found? Um, he's very different to the options Town have got. He's 
very very quick um he can shoot off both feet he's he's very very two-footed um i a lot of people will have watched his various youtube compilations that are available etc and you'll have seen there's a massive variety of finishes off both right and left foot which is really encouraging because particularly when you're playing a three up front to be able to do that off either foot is, is quite key really um and it also gives him the ability to drift and and create space for others um he's very big very strong you know he's he's not going to get bullied by championship defenders even though he's 18 years old which is what can happen to a lot of young strikers in the championship I think Kieran Phillips suffered with that last year if I'm brutally honest with you um so I think he's ready to go from the off which is a big which is a big thing and one real sort of feature of his game and an asset that town don't have is he's prepared to shoot from <laughs> pretty much anywhere and go really really early the thing I compared it to was Mason Greenwood, who everybody keeps saying how Mason Greenwood is really lucky because goalkeepers keep def- <laughs> I keep being poor on his shots. And they never consider the fact that he takes them so early or he takes them from angles where the goalkeeper's just not expecting him to shoot that they don't have that ability to set themselves. And the way Meepo goes around his shooting reminds me a lot of that he he takes it early he takes it when the goalkeeper's not expecting it and I think that's that's unlike anything else at the club and I think having him as an option now who does a little bit of everything plus has got other other attributes because Danny Ward works hard and drops deep. Fraser Campbell stays high and presses and harries. And Jordan Rhodes is a finisher. Jordan Rhodes is who you want to sort of bring on in a in a tight game where you're creating chances because he will finish things for you. He can do all of that and a little bit more. So I think it's incredibly promising. And to be honest, I, I think he'll he'll obviously start from the bench. He'll obviously get minutes from the bench because I think it would be incredibly harsh to Danny Ward after he's just scored his first goal to say, right, you're not starting against Stoke. But I wouldn't be surprised if he, before the end of the month, starts his first game uh, because, I, as I said, I do think he's box ready. I think he's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the asterisk is obviously we're looking at clips from, from youth team games, but even then, sort of, you and I, I mean, you've done the in bed with Maradona 100 before you have watched a lot of young players and you know when we've sort of done scouting reports for new signings you always sort of look at sort of what are their best moments what are their or even just you know filter by shots we've got access to Scout, so you can you know look at certain events and the thing with Meepo is it's not like watching a Rude Van Nistelrooy compilation where every goal is basically the same it's he as you say he just shoots out of nowhere it's really sudden like mm-hmm. it's the 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 i mentioned this is a reference dave won't like and i put it in a piece this morning but you know the thing it reminded me of when i was watching his clips was was randy orton doing rkos out of nowhere like it's just like whoa where's where's that come from all of a sudden uh, i want to um, say wrestling that's right um but i mean if i if if I had to put a name on it, and again we're sort of we're fly, you know throwing around a lot of big names here of England internationals, and you know we're not expecting him to come in and and you know reach that level straight away, but he sort of puts me in mind a little bit of a young Robbie Fowler who had also had two good feet, would shoot from a variety of angles, would apply different mm-hmm. finishes for different situations, um, and just had that keenness, just had that he just was is all about goals. I mean, you watch his um, his interview that he did with the club, it's 
only about two minutes long, but um, I think he says the word goals about 427 times. Um, when they ask him what you're going to bring to the side, he literally just says goals. So he, I think and, and that it, is... to be fair, he has backed that up, I should say. I know, oh, I know yeah. he's not played in the Championship, but his record at youth football is... I mean, I think he got 35 in 31 games in one season. He scored on his debut for the Man United under-18s, then the West Ham under-18s, then the West Ham under-23s. He played in the Papa John's Cup and scored two on his debut against Southend. He, he, the, the reason he's saying that is because he backs himself and it's it's confidence yeah. born out of ability. Yeah, and I think that the, the point of the piece I was writing this morning was like I think sometimes for a centre-forward there's such a thing as being a, a bit too tactically disciplined if what you want is a striker who's going to score goals you know the Wayne Rooney people always put his sort of his late career declining goal scoring form down to uh, maybe a sort of slight drop in pace but I think it's also just because he became a more mature and well-rounded player and was sort of started becoming more of a creator than a goal scorer which is why he then was so determined to make himself a midfielder for England which never really worked but um, you know I think Town have got you know Danny Ward's 29 Jordan Rhodes is he 30 Fraser Campbell's 34 um, they, these are all sort of mature players and that is great to have when you've got a game plan to execute and you've got you want your striker doing certain things and you want to be able to say go out here and do this and this and concentrate on this and this but I think when you particularly sort of I feel like as you say off the bench to begin with if you're looking for a late goal you want someone who <laughs> who has that unpredictability about him who mm-hmm. you don't know what he's going to do and I think sort of having that sort of being a little bit raw can count in your advantage that way because if you don't know what you're going to do next then yeah. your defender certainly doesn't either yeah the the thing is about strikers is they get measured on goals and here's is a young lad who has never played consistently in professional football so I wouldn't go you know despite everything we've said I wouldn't go assuming that town are going to get 25 goals out of him this season and they've got a superstar on their hands it may in truth turn out to be a little bit too early for him but what we're saying is why it's quite interesting is because it's just brought something completely different to town's toolbox because he just plays in a very different way to anyone else there and when you think about potentially playing with Thomas on the right, Caroma on the left and him through the middle, that is a sort of shape of town attack that looks very different to anything we've seen over the last couple of seasons. It looks extremely quick, it looks like it could be quite clinical and it looks like it could be quite productive. So we will see, as I said, he's probably going to get chances off the bench first and it's there is that break clause in January, so there is the chance if he's not playing enough football for West Ham they, they could get him they could hook him back. But we we will see it's it's cautiously exciting really. Uh, say it's same way we felt about Sonani really, which is sort of cautiously quite excited that there could be a player there. I think that's how we feel about this young man too. I think similarly with Sonani, I think although he's done well in both of his starts so far, Sonani, there is a sense that he's going to have games where he's trying loads of stuff and none of it works. And I think we might get a little bit of that with Odebeko as well, particularly at the beginning. Mm. We're, um, we're going to get that with Sorba Thomas as well, though. It's going to happen with any young player. Yeah, who, Roma had it start start last season. Yeah, I mean, to be frank, we want a few more of those games because it proves that they're confident enough to take the risks and be brave and they're prepared to fail. Too many players in these town squads over the last two years have been afraid to fail 
fail and it's ended up costing them because you fail anyway because you're too scared to try anything so yeah i think particularly with sonani we're going to get those games but i think you have to accept those games in this situation because then you get that 40 minutes in another game where they are you know like sorba was on saturday like they're they're unplayable yeah that was the last of their business uh we should talk about lewis o'brien who there was no deadline drama for at all um we we sort of a couple of weeks ago i think we were expecting that we might get to deadline day and there would be you know a bit of a bidding war or whatever but it was all quiet you know Leeds had dropped out a couple of weeks ago from what i'm told although the reports of that only came at the weekend that Leeds weren't going to come back in simply a matter of their valuation didn't match towns you know victor orta the director of football at leeds has been on the record saying you know we, we we're not annoyed at huddersfield for that it's you know they're entitled to their valuation we just didn't agree it, it, it's football they have i think it's a huge positive to have lewis o'brien still at the club for all the reasons we talked about earlier um but also you know i mentioned in in a piece i wrote about him yesterday what he brings out of other players on the training pitch because you know, Carol Lighton, when he first came to the club, said he saw Lewis O'Brien in a training and was like, oh, wow, that's the that's the level. Like, for in terms of running, in terms of physical performance, that is the level to reach. And, you know, I believe that, that Scott High has had a similar revelation um, since he's sort of come into the first team. And that's why we've seen Scott High turn more and more into an all-action midfielder, where in the academy he was much more of a an Alex Vallejo type, from, I'm led to believe. So he's... A really important character and a really important player for Huddersfield Town, and it's good that they've kept him until January at least. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people come back for him in January, but the the reality is I think we talk about transfer windows too often only in terms of who comes into a club, um, and I think success should be measured by who have you got at the end of the window, and to still have Lewis O'Brien, to have not had any noise around Josh Caroma as well, um, or I think, Harry or Harry Toffolo, I think, as as or Pippa. You know, we had those links earlier in the season. The injury has obviously helped that, but Town have basically kept everybody they wanted to keep, which I think that on its own almost constitutes a reasonable window. Then you consider the fact that they have got the the players in they have. I think you have to say it's a good window. I don't think it was perfect, but I also don't think by any stretch that this squad is is you know worse than it was before the window and we have had a couple in recent years where I'd argue that was probably the truth unfortunately so the fact that they've come out of this a better squad a better first 11 as well which was was key um I think is is massive really and I think you're already seeing already seeing the results of it um but yeah having Lewis stays it also sends out a little bit of a message as well, to be honest with you. If people want to come back for Lewis in January, they can, but they've got to come back with proper money. That's that's the thing. If you if you let Lewis go for Leeds' valuation instead of your own and somebody does fancy a go at Harry Toffolo, they think, right, OK, well, we might be able to get him for four million quid. Exactly. So, yeah, and lots, been, lots of levels. To good. To be fair to Huddersfield Town as well, for all we criticise sort of transfer policy, etc., one thing you and I have always sort of given credit for is they do stick to their guns on valuations we saw it with philip billing two years ago we saw it with carl and grant last year they've done it with we <laughs> saw it with jordan year. rhodes the years ago dean Hyle stuck to his guns with jordan rhodes and got the price he wanted yeah so you know fair play to him for not being sort of undersold because i think some other clubs particularly in sort of this financial climate would be like oh do you know what four million is still a lot of money maybe we but you know that they're, they're very consistent and you know i think we saw you know 
know, everyone, you know, Billing and Grant weren't even considered for the first team last year. Uh, sorry, in the respect, you know, Billing wasn't given a squad number two years ago and Carlisle Grant was not being considered for selection. Everyone knew that they were available and, you know, ready to go, but they still managed to get the money they wanted for them, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> can't say fairer than that, really. Um, a bit of a shame about Isaac and Benza, I think they they would have liked. Well, <laughs> I think they they would have liked to have found a move for him. Um, it's it's not happened. I'm I'm told that sort of the that that the the extensions they did for him and Bakuna have sort of been justified by the money they they're going to get for Bakuna. But still, it's not ideal to still have him there. The, the window is still open in sort of in Portugal and Turkey and Russia, but not ideal for for him to still be at the club. Where do you think he goes from here, Dave? Out. <laughs> I, th- I think those those continental windows are still open. There's still windows for loans as well, I think, um, in various circumstances. I just can't believe he'll be happy playing no football. Carlos Corbran has been fairly unequivocal in every press conference we've done when we've asked the question that he has never planned to have Mbenza in the squad. He has never planned for life with him. And we asked him in the last press conference we did if he if he stayed, you know, would you basically consider using him? And he said the plans haven't changed. Um, there's there's no, doesn't look like he's going to be called upon going forward. And and there isn't really a natural place in this squad for him as is. So I I think one way or another, I think the player and his agent need to be a, a bit more receptive to any move that comes across the table, if I'm brutally honest with you, because it's just not going to happen with, with Huddersfield Town. And his wage, I would argue, is the last sort of of the Premier League hangover that really needs to shift. And sort of him going will will sort of mark the end of a transition I think as well and yeah I mean it's no he he did okay last season I think there was far yeah. more evidence that he was it's, always going to underwhelm than than play well but he he did okay when called upon in certain situations but it's football moves very very quickly and over the course of a summer the team has evolved things have changed Sorber Thomas exists uh, there really isn't a sort of natural home for him now. Yeah, that's it. I think they've got better options, and I don't think it's a disaster if you know if they can't find a move and and you know he he comes back into the fold and makes a few appearances here and there. I think there's worse options to have certainly. Uh, and if you want to give Silver Thomas a rest and you want someone on set pieces, I know Sinani's been taking them as well, even when Thomas has been playing, but uh, and hit the post against Reading, uh, mm-hmm. which half the half the ground fought was in one of the uh, one of the score apps marked it as a goal. Yeah, didn't they? Sofa Scouts Sofa Score sent me a notification on the game I was watching. <laughs> To tell me that Town has scored when they hadn't yet. Um, but um, so I think it's not a disaster, but it's it's also not ideal. We'll see what happens with it. I I, I would say, Steve, from from being there in press conferences when Corbyn's been asked about it, I cannot see him making an appearance. I just I just can't see it. I think if he was maybe there come the end of January and Town potentially needed him for some reason, I think maybe. But I I just cannot see him making an appearance because Corbyn has been so unequivocal in his stance on Bakuna and Mbenza throughout. And he likes his players to have a certain level of fitness. And we're, we've no idea if Mbenz has even been training with the first team because it's, it's never really been... Well, he's been... not. He's been training separately. Yeah, so he's been training separately. So he won't be anywhere near what Corbin wants. I just So even if he start, they started getting him ready now, it'd probably be mid-October to, to late October yeah. before he'd be anywhere near. 
I just I just can't see it. I think who knows if if you know touch every piece of wood going they don't have another injury crisis where they have to call on him but I I just can't see it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean to be fair it's also worth saying you know Rolando Aarons was 19th man against Reading. He's yeah. sort of he's you know he played for the B team on uh Tuesday Wednesday Tuesday. I've I've completely lost track of my days of the week at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Um but um he you know he can't get in the squad. Aaron Rowe is going to be back. Um from his foot injury apparently sort of around the, the, mm. the end of the international break so and Dwayne Holmes can do a job there Silver Thomas I think probably they're gonna I mean I think you'd be sort of at the moment sort of doing yourself harm if you moved him away from wing back at the moment Silver yeah. Thomas the form he's been in and, and with Pippa injured I think that's a natural solution to that problem I did a piece before the start of the season as well about looking at Towns options on the right because everybody was sort of considering that to be a problem position and we look through and town do have a load of options right and left, to be honest with you. And I said on the right at the time, this was before Sinani was in the mix as well, that I'd run with Thomas and Rowe once Rowe's fit because mm. you've got to remember Rowe was one of the sort of shining lights at the end of last season. So I think you want to get him back near that first team fairly quickly because played re- <laughs> he was playing really, really well. Looks really, really promising. So... yeah. I wouldn't. He's, he's very inconsistent, but I think you can when you've got Josh Caroma fully fit and playing on the left, you can bear to to carry someone who you yeah. know might not could go either way on the right hand side. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue Thomas is carrying a very inconsistent Josh Caroma the other way around at the moment. It's it's mm. you have to find balances in your team and ways to compensate for stuff like this, don't you? So yeah, I think I think on that right hand side, you, Thomas is an immovable object as things are with Roback, with like you say. Holmes can do a role there, can do a role on the left as well. I think I just can't say any, any way back from Benzo. I would I'd take any move because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a short career, isn't it? And just thinking about the young man involved, I know people listening to this will have their opinions on Isaac and Benzo, but just thinking about the young man involved, you know, he wants to be a professional footballer and he needs to think very seriously about that when any offer comes across his, his table. Yeah, we'll have a look through the transfer window then and I think... I would concur with you, Dave, that where they've done their best business is, is probably at the back. You know, they've got Lee Nichols in who looks like a, a good pickup considering I think you would have been forgiven for having your doubts given that he was in uh, in League One last season um, and not being picked for MK Dons. I think you would be forgiven for having your doubts about whether he would be able to step up. But to be fair, he's come in and immediately calmed down the defence. And I know that part of that is just because Schofield was having the opposite effect and it's but I think it's difficult to to pick much fault well any fault really with Lee Nichols so far other than a couple of minor mix-ups with defenders uh, that haven't really led to anything but I mean you pointed out that the back three that played against Reading Pearson Lees and Colwell all summer signings and that is a, a back three that quite harshly left out Naby Sarr I mean when when we did the predicted lineup before the Reading game we realized oh whatever we pick we're leaving out probably two players that have actually been playing quite well this season um and it was and it was Sar and High who quite unlucky to be left out but I think sort of speaks to the better options that Corbran has but especially at centre-back where you're leaving out the player who has maybe been your best defender this year and haven't particularly missed him yeah well he was man of the match wasn't he he went from man of the match to to being out the side but I think if you look at those defensive options I think Matty Pearce and I've been fairly sort of you know ever since he came I've been telling people that's a really 
really good signing. He's an established championship defender. Uh, there was absolutely nothing not to like about that. Levi Colwell is obviously a huge talent now in the England twenty under twenty ones. Again, you can't really fault that. I really like Tom Lees. I was I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think I think it was on the preview show for the other podcast that we don't mention. Um, but I was, oh, we I, do. And it takes that chance. It's a good podcast. You should listen. Um, and I was saying I really like Tom Lees because I just. He compensates what he's lacking in pace these days with you he's got I don't there's no way to sound say this without sounding disparaging, but he's a like Richard Keogh, but with more of a brain. He he compensates for his lack of pace and his lack of mobility much, much better by getting himself into position earlier and anticipating things better. So I think Tom Lees is essentially your fourth option. I know Nabizar was the one who was left out, but if Tom Lees is your fourth option, that is a pretty stacked deck to yeah. be perfectly honest and I, I, I mean i was talking to dom house and we, we sort of you know i was sheffield wednesday writer on yorkshire live and um he's a town fan um don't say but, that, um, don't say that. <laughs> we all support it's the right. clubs we cover honestly <laughs> i think it's well known but um no he he has always rated tom lee's to be fair to him like we did a as dreadful as wednesday were last year when we did the combined 11 before the the town wednesday game the only player he really really pushed for to be in the side was tom lee's mm-hmm. um so i think I just, that although I, I think i think the thing with tom lee's is if he plays 40 games this season it, it that's hasn't worked and I I think he's going to get shown up in some of those games if he plays 20 games this season 15 to 20 games that's absolutely fine that's his position in the squad that's that's where you sort of that's where you want him as I said to have him as your fourth choice as your backup that is really strong really strong and Levi Colwell I mean has come in from Chelsea I don't think he's been tearing up trees he's not been getting sort of nine out of tens but he's been really steady really stable and I think everyone has the same reaction when they see Levi Colwell play which is wow I can't believe he's 18 he's he's (laughs) so mature he he has he has his moments in games you know I thought he had a generally had a good game against Reading in spite of a couple of moments where he sort of rushed a clearance and ended up shanking it out for a corner and a couple of moments like that but he also played that crossfield ball for for Silver Thomas that that set him on the way for Mm. Was it the the first goal? Um, you know, he he can play out from the back. He has stepped out of defence and got forward up the left side. And even though he's playing as the left-sided centre-back rather than as a left-back, he's almost become like an extra left-back. So you've got mm. Colwell, Toffolo and Karoma to all worry about on that side. Um, but he's he, it's his maturity. It's just he is an old head on young shoulders and you can see why Chelsea have such high hopes for him. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's been given the number 26 which has significance both for Town and for Chelsea being Schindler and Terry's number. Yeah, I spoke to Tom Lees uh, in the last press conference and I asked him about Colwell and he was saying that he watched the first game, the Sheffield Wednesday game, the EFL Cup game from the stands and he thought Patterson was going to eat him alive basically because Patterson is just a big lumbering bully who will just do anything he can to gain an advantage. And he said he just couldn't believe Colwell was 18, the way he dealt with him, the way he brushed off the physical challenge, the way mentally he didn't let anything bother him, he, he just thought was absolutely brilliant. And I think that's 
that's the thing. It's it's not just about being six foot two and being able to stand up to a striker. It's about mentally being able to to face up to the challenge. And I think, like much as I love him, and I do love him, I think that's the one thing that we would both say Romami Edmonds Green needs to work on, and yeah. that's what that loan this season really is all about to get him to believe that he can stand up to being beaten up for 90 minutes and come out of it fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. We've had full-back recruits as well. We've seen more of Ollie Turton than I think uh, I think was the intention. He was he was yeah. brought in as, as backup. I think the club have been fairly sort of open about that, but obviously Pippa's injury meant he played the opening few games. I don't think he's done fantastic. He's done fine. I know it, a lot of fans seem to be on his back, I would say. He's a full-back, not a wing-back. That's that's yeah. the that's the honest thing for me. He's a fullback, not a wing back. He's he's having to play he's having to do a job in a system where he's not overly comfortable. But I think you also have to look at the freedom Turton's positioning has allowed Thomas this season and say, Well, you know, maybe he's not brilliant on the ball, maybe he's not brilliant in the tackle, but look look at the platform he's providing for somebody else who is having a phenomenal season. I think he's steady away. I think mm. he didn't have a good game against Fulham, uh, it's fair to say, a lot of you know, a lot of things went down his side that you would have liked to have been dealt with better. But at the same time, I feel like singling out individuals from the Fulham game is is probably a bit hard because everyone except like Levi Colwell was bad in that game. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's, as we've said a million times on the show, I think Turton wasn't signed to play, you know, 30 games a season. He's, he, he was he was signed to sort of play five or ten. Um, and I think he's he's fine as backup, but I think it's it's good that they've got Sorba Thomas playing so well at, at wing back because I think the three four three really suits them. Doesn't suit Turton especially well. Um, so having Sorba Thomas there, who has unexpectedly solved that issue, and Corbrand's admitted it sort of almost came as a revelation to him after that derby game you know he put thomas there out of a lack of options because ruffle toffolo and ruffles were both uh out with covid and obviously he played so well in that game that it's like oh well we can keep him here it's like how it's reminded me of um how trent alexander arnold was a central midfielder and now you can never play him central midfield ever again because he's so good at right back i almost wonder if silver thomas might have a bit of that if he continues at wing back like this but the other thing about Turton, just going back to Turton for the minute, is going to say the name again, Aaron Rowe. If Aaron Rowe had been fit, I don't think Turton would have played all these games. So, Not at wing-back, certainly. No, not in the 3-5-2. No. So I think Turton's not problem is the wrong word, but I think the issue with Turton is that he was signed to play 15 to 20 games and he's already played six. So, mm. yeah, I, I I don't it's, think there's anything wrong with him. I think it's, once... it's worth saying he did. I mean, he did play in those Preston Sheffield United games where they yeah. did, you know, execute that game plan. He was part of that. I, I just think if they played as a four and he was more of a more of a deep deeper line fallback, basically, I think he'd be absolutely fine. You know, absolutely fine. But Town have been forced to play a different way that doesn't really suit him. What I would say is, once Josh Ruffles is up to speed, I think there's a chance there's a chance depending how long Pippa's injury is and what happens with circumstances and the game's coming thick and fast I think there's a chance you might see Ruffle switched over to that side um, because he he's a player that me and you have both looked at pre-season and, and talked to a few people about and done our research and he <laughs> we both had a conversation when we said we can't believe he's been signed as backup <laughs> 
That's the thing. And he's got Harry Toffolo ahead of him, who is Town's bionic man, as we know, who the wheels came off last season, but he looks to be back in the groove this season. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Ruffles switched over for a game or two Ooh. just to to get him back up to speed because, you know, you don't you don't take Harry Toffolo off in a game, do you? So no. I think that's an option as well. And Ruffles is, is one that Town fans I think should look forward to seeing. He's he is more of a wing back. He he loves getting forward. Yeah, he's, definitely. he's very good crosser. Yeah. He 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 is one to look forward to. You think we haven't seen him in the league at all this season. That's seems mad really yeah he's yeah his number he's really he's really unconventional as a as a wing back because he's a converted central midfielder um so his his sort of and and he converted when he was like in his mid-20s you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. like he changed when he was like 19 um so he's quite unconventional but that his numbers sort of speak for themselves i mean you mentioned his crossing stats there it was we talked about it when he first signed on on sort of the preview show for the season but you know it was it was head and shoulders above anything else that that town had or or sort of anyone else in league one he's he looks really interested we'll see how he how he gets on um hard to judge him at the moment obviously when we've not really seen him play we're now into midfield and this is where we've sort of got you know we've we've drawn a blank really because we we sat here dave and talked last week and said you know we thought it would be probably one more signing and it would be probably either a centre midfielder or a striker depending on what you know who came along first um and that is precisely what has happened you know uh mupo came onto the the radar first and they signed him and that meant that they they didn't have anything sort of left in the bank to to go and get a creative midfielder but as you said even if they could have found one because they don't grow on trees i mean harahan's gone to sheffield united although i think a lot of people know what harahan can do but swansea fans did not speak well of his time there last season so I don't know. It's um, they've got what they've got, though. I think sort of the the big encouragement in central midfield is you know you've had Scott High come through um, and and do well, and and as we mentioned, he was unlucky to miss out uh, against Reading, and and Dwayne Holmes is now now that they've got we've talked about you know how many options they've got out wide now might see Dwayne Holmes in the middle a bit more, which I think will serve him well. Yeah, but I do think they're thin in central midfield. I did a piece looking yeah. at Towns second string last season and their second string this season and without Janino Bakuna's versatility I know he comes there are a lot of people who were driving him to Ibrox there are a lot of people who won't hear a bad word said against him but what he did do is he gave you a player who could basically cover about six positions in that team and I think if you're looking at O'Brien Hogg and High as you start in three now which I think we can sort of safely say we are you're looking at Holmes, Vallejo, and potentially Scott High again as or your Brown, or or Reese Brown, but Danelle Sanani feels... as well was talked about when he first arrived. Yeah, but I think already looking at Sanani, I I just I don't think he's got the discipline to to play in a central midfield position. If I'm brutally honest with you, I think he could in time, but I think you're looking at a conversion rather than a somebody who could do a job straight away. There it feels a bit like playing Pritchard there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does does, and I I think they are thin there the the thing is you can't do everything all in one transfer window and town have done an incredible amount of business but i almost feel like they've had to look at what are the biggest problems goalkeeper defense okay what do we need to sort after that 
well, we don't score enough goals, we need a striker, we need somebody other than Fraser Campbell. Okay, well, we've gone and got two of them. And midfield was like the sort of last on the list of priorities. And I wouldn't be surprised if any January recruitment is focused around getting potentially a midfielder into the club. We don't know if there's going to be a load of injuries that's going to force anything else, but even if it was just a midfielder on loan, you feel like come January that might be where the sort of obvious hole in the squad is. Because... Hogg will get injured at some point. We know he's got the persistent problem with his hip and at some point he will need to come out of the team for a couple of weeks because it does flare up. That's going to happen every season of his career left to date. Vallejo can come in, but I think Vallejo can't play against certain teams because he gets mm, turned he's, he's quite easily. He's not great defensively, is he? No. Yeah. Where, where you want Vallejo is just looking towards the opposition goal and passing. That's where you want him. So I think then straight away you look and think, okay, well that that looks a bit thin. There's no really sort of natural Lewis O'Brien replacement who can do what he does. Holmes can do a sort of half that job. He could, I mean, at a push, he could potentially do half of Hogg's job. It just looks a bit thin to me, and I think I think it's admirable that Town just haven't gone and got a midfielder because they they've yeah. done that with For certain positions before and it's not worked. You know, like I really like Andy King, but that nobody could make the argument that going and getting him was a success. <laughs> for that, that on the pitch anyway on the pitch yeah for that half the season so I think it's admirable that they've not gone beyond their sort of list of targets if they're not available they've gone okay but yeah it does it does feel like that's the one area of the pitch they may have to look at in January the argument I would make with midfield is that I agree totally and I think if you want to play a 4-3-3 <sighs> It, that midfield looks too pedestrian. And if you want to play a 3-5-2, I, I don't think it, it quite clicks the way you would want it to. And we've seen that against you know Sheffield United. You, you, I think the 3-5-2 is for certain games only. I don't think it's... I don't. I don't think it's a rip for a rip roaring attacking performance. The th- uh, the three four three on the other hand, I think sort of emphasises all of their attacking strengths. And I think that you don't need to create midfielder as much in that system because your midfielders in that system, it's all about covering ground. Because particularly if you're playing against an opposition who have a three in midfield, they need to be there to cover a lot of ground starve the opposition of space and stay and when they get into the final third stay tactically disciplined and I think in it if you want to play a 3-4-3 even if you had the creative midfielder a Carolighting type at the club mm-hmm. I would still make the argument that O'Brien and Hogg would be the two that you want in that system Yeah, because yep. all of the attacking impetus comes from the flanks you know that's the whole point of it is that you can you can push your wingers inside and you can send your your wing backs on the outside you know um i haven't watched a huge amount of the premier league i asked carlos about this after the game and he said he'd you know he'd looked at chelsea and the way that they played under tuchel in a 343 um but they did it under conte as well when you had moses who was again a converted winger similar to thomas on one side alonso on the other and then you had pedro and hazard who were both sort of coming inside and almost playing as number 10s in the in the in that three and i think town can can replicate that with you know toffolo and attack minded uh wing back in the mold of of yeah. alonso you know i i also think not to undermine my own argument but i also think if they can if town can get through to january and they're not in they're not looking over their shoulder and the squad is staying relatively injury free every squad will get injuries but we don't get the situation we had last year i think there are options in the youth team that they could look 
to use as well, to be honest, to get some minutes before the end of the season. Not to go and play 15 games, but I think there's a couple of very talented players there who certainly could become squad options potentially before the end of the season. So I don't think Are it's... Are you thinking of Brahima Diara by any I chance? am thinking of Brahima Diara. So I don't think... Kamara as well. Yeah, Kamara I think is a little bit behind Diara, if I'm honest. I think Diara is yeah, the one he's... that you look at and you think he he's going to definitely come in at some point. But you know, Corbyn has talked he wanted experience this year and I think the reason he wants experience this year is because he knows this year they can't have another relegation battle mm. at any point of this season. If if Town get drawn into a relegation battle any time between now and the end of the season then that's not progress. They haven't made progress. So I can completely understand him wanting it, but you know there is there, there, there's a good chance there's a world where Town come into January pretty well set and comfortable in mid table and not looking over their shoulders, and you can look at Diara and think, okay, time to get involved in the squad and etc. So there are options, but it just does feel that that is where Town are thin at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on the age thing, we'll we'll keep going through the positions in a moment, but. On the age thing, I mean, Derby had five teenagers on the bench on the opening yeah. day. Reading had five teenagers on the bench at the weekend. There are clubs that are now going through the same thing that Town did last year, and and Town are kind of ahead on the cur- ahead of the curve on that now. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I looked at the squad they had against Reading, the only the only players that were under twenty four, I think it was Sorba Thomas. Josh Caroma, Lewis O'Brien, and Levi Colwell, which is four of their best players. Yeah. You know, it's not they're not they're not playing Kieran Phillips and you know um, uh, you know Ben Jackson just because they don't have other options at this point. Um, and you know they've been comfortable sending out Kieran Phillips on loan to Walsall, Ramani Evans Green to, to Rotherham. You know they, they've been able to find loans that are better suited to those players. Um, I think Romani it was because he'd you know he'd missed a lot of he'd pre-season. Missed pre-season and they just, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, and they just felt that with all the defensive options they have, that he just wasn't going to get near a start. So it was better to send him out. Um, which I think is you know you give him the can't, You can't argue season. with it, can you? No. No, it, it makes sense. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think he's had the greatest of starts at Rotherham, but as you say, it's a different style. I think Critchlow has is good. They love him for yeah. Swindon. Absolutely yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah. So I think that sort of speaks volumes that that they. You know, we're not. We're not talking about these these lads on the bench, and you are leaving out likes of Rolando Aarons from your matchday mm-hmm. squad because you just can't fit him in. I mean, we've talked about the wings already and the options there, um, but I think Sonani from Norwich came in as an unknown, and and we won't dwell on him too long because I think we've already talked about him last week and, and a bit this, but he looks like he could do a job. Um, we sort of, I think everyone is sort of reserving judgment on him for the time being. Um, and then I think Jordan Rhodes, I think you were, to be honest, I was pretty unconvinced by that signing. Um, I think it's hard to judge him given that he's been playing through that back issue that it now turns out is has kept him out for, is going to keep him out for yeah. the next few months. The disappointing thing with that, Steve, is, and, and you know, we, we may as well be brutally honest here. We've both had conversations watching him live when he has had a chance. And even going back to that very first game against Sheffield Wednesday when he came on, we've both sat here and said, he doesn't look fit. He looks like he's got an issue. So the fact that it now turns out that he has got an issue, to be honest, is a little bit disappointing, really, because you would hope, yeah. you would hope they would have 
dealt dealt with it maybe a little bit better when you when you look at the problem they've had with Pippa which is where they've been trying to treat it without surgery and eventually it's got to the point where the season has started and they've gone oh we've got no other option now but to go with surgery you might have thought I know Corbin said that Rhodes was training normal but he's just come into the club and he's really really keen to impress and all that sort of thing he's mm. not going to come in and straight away say yeah I'm massively struggling with my back it's difficult it's just yeah. so it's a little bit disappointing if I'm brutally honest that one but I, I'm not quite as down as a lot of people are on the road signing again because I think he gives you a different option at striker I think there's a game situation where you actually want Jordan Rhodes in the team but that game, game situation is not one that Town have had over the last couple of years and it's where you're creating loads and loads of chances go back to that Stoke game last year you would have thought with the amount of chances that Town created a Jordan Rhodes who, who's just a finisher that's all he wants to do he's not interested in anything else you might have actually got something from that game with him at a striker yeah Bristol City away is the other one that sort of yeah. springs to mind yep. um, but yeah I mean I think it's been and, and John Russell we should give a quick mention to yeah. as well um, you know six foot four Chelsea midfielder he was on the bench against Everton he's been signed for the B team and I, I think I think the expectation is that he's going to take a bit of time to to sort of develop but I think they're sort of again cautiously optimistic that they might be able to turn him into a first team player but yeah they want to turn him into a um, a Philip Billing style 10 really which is is not your sort of all out attacking 10 it's sort of almost like half a 10 and half a central midfielder and I thought it was quite interesting that they put him on the bench that EFL Cup game which they took very seriously I know they made changes but they took that game seriously and uh, yeah I, I've heard a lot of quite promising things about him to be fair nowhere near the sort of finished article but there's a lot of there's another one where the right sort of people are saying the right sort of things about him longer term so we'll see on that one yeah I mean how do you rate the the window overall um as I said before I don't think it's been perfect but I think you've got to a, you've got to look at the amount of business they've done. They've got nine players in for the first team. And that's, that's you know, I, I'm saying first team, not squad. That's because they've got nine players who are all going to play 15-plus games this season. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of movement. That's a lot of business. And you have to credit them for that. Bear in mind the lack of transfer fees. They've not had the money, so they've had to wheel and deal. About a third of your recruitment usually doesn't come off. So I'm sure there's going to be a few misses in and amongst the, the, the various hits. But this team conceded more goals than anyone in the championship last season. And they've gone and got a whole new defence, basically. Mm-hmm. And back up for Toffolo and Pippa. Um, that had to be done. Ryan Schofield couldn't keep being played in the first team. But they've gone and got a very good keeper who... I said to you, he looks to me to be the Gary Neville of keepers in that he, he's not a 10 out of 10 in every area, in any area really, but he's like a really solid 7 out of 10 in, in most, which is fine. They've gone and got strikers. I'm sure that, I'm sure that as a as a Liverpool fan and scouser, he will absolutely adore you comparing him to Gary Neville. <laughs> um, yeah, they you know, they've gone and got strikers. They needed... To, to improve in that area they've gone and got strikers they've gone and got Danel Solani because they needed a bit of a wild card and the one thing I'd say about Solani is he is busy <laughs> he is incredibly busy and the thing yes. is Town had Fraser Campbell who was doing that job but was 
well, there's no other way to say it, but, he, you know, he wasn't scoring and he was picking up yellow cards, whereas Sonani actually looks to sort of do all of that and carry a bit more of a goal for it as well. So you have to say it's been a good window. You you have to. I think if they'd have got a midfielder, I would be sitting here eulogising and saying, you know, it may be not perfect, but not far off it at all. But I think you, I can't make... I can't. I cannot see anyone making the argument this was a bad window, unless you're going to do that now. No, I think <laughs> there's certain people who might be disappointed, but I, I think if you're disappointed by this window, you've just got unrealistic expectations. To be yeah, honest. there's you, you've I got mean, other issues with the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can I can understand sort of being will ha- like we've not given it enough time. We'll need to see how they do. I, I mm. think that is a valid thing to say. Um, but I think the early indications are really good particularly defensively as as we've talked about and I mean we did a poll with the fans over the weekend where we asked people to sort of um, say what signings they needed and how many do they need and um, and and also to give the, the window a mark out of 10 and this is obviously before Meepo signed and we got the results on Monday afternoon before the Meepo announcement and two thirds of fans gave the window at least a 6 out of 10 uh, and the most common response about a quarter of fans gave it a 7 and that was the most common answer compare that to the Sheffield United one where the most common answer was 0 <laughs> <laughs> for instance um, and believe me from talking to other journalists because I was I ended up doing our Blades writer is on holiday at the moment so I ended up doing a lot of Sheffield United stuff on deadline day and believe me from talking to other journalists around the championship there's a lot of other clubs who are also like pulling their hair out about the, the lack of movement and the quality of the signings they've been able to get this summer so we, we talked about it sort of in the preview but the fact that town got so much business done early um, particularly in those defensive areas um, is really encouraging I mean they had we talk about that new look defence and apart from Tom Lees they had them all in before the window even mm. opened so mm. um that is that is good work. I think you have to to give them credit for that. I wonder how much those ratings would have gone up um, after the Meepo announcement because the, you know most we asked how many signings do you want. Nearly everyone said one or two. All love a striker, and, don't we? All love a striker, and, and they wanted a striker. So, um, so. <sighs> Yeah, I think overall you have to paint it as a positive. I think they've done good business. They've got good loans for Kieran Phillips, Edmonds Green, Matty Daly, Romney Critchlow. We've heard Arnaldo Krasnicki's doing really good <laughs> yeah. things at Falkirk as well, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think the Albanian realistically, gets, wasn't it? Somebody called him. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a shame about Mbenza, and it's a shame that they've not been able to get that creative midfielder in. But, but you, that, you wonder. I would say there's part of me wonders if they were slightly linked as well. You know, if they'd have shifted Mbenza's wages off the wage yeah, yeah. bill, if that may have put a midfielder back as not a priority, but it may have put the possibility back on the table. I sort of understand that. I, I completely understand that. And as I said, I don't think not getting a midfielder is a disaster, but it does just give you one area of the pitch where you go. But again, you've got to prioritise, and they've had a they've had a busy summer, and they've done sort of... Uh, I mean, they've probably done 90% of what they needed to do, and I think, I think every football club in the Championship would take a transfer window where you get 90% done of what you need to do when you have to overhaul a squad. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's... I, I think I get the sort of cautious optimism thing as well. I think we do need to, to look at players a bit longer term, but I think a snap judgment right now, you have to go, yeah, okay, that was 
that was that was a good window. Yeah, yeah. I think the the key thing is the piece you wrote where you compared last year's squad to this year's and who was first and second choice in each position compared with this year. And I think Nine maybe day. apart from midfield, apart from midfield, it's it's better in pretty yeah. much every position. Um, so you can't really say fairer than that. Um, but Stoke away, I mean, that's a tough game. Next up, uh, we've obviously got the international break to get through, and maybe we'll do a Q and A or something like that next week. Although this is quite late in the week now, we're on Thursday, aren't we? So We'll, we'll, we'll and it's a bit ear, of a bump pod as well. Yeah, we'll play it by ear, I think, for, for next week's pod. Maybe we'll wait until after Stoke. But just to cover our bases, we'll talk about them now because it's a tough game. I think we've made the argument that apart from Fulham, Town have played a lot of poor teams. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we looked at the, this start to the season at the, you know before the season began and said, oh, this is a really challenging start. And then we've got into the season and it turns out that actually <laughs> they've caught a lot of teams at exactly the right time um, and that's not to do down the wins they've got but that is the truth of it Stoke have started the season well um, you know like Town they've in fact they've got the same record two Ten wins points, one draw yeah. one loss and that and that loss was to Fulham yeah so they've they've started I think that game is really interesting and is a real litmus test for where this team is I think you and I this season will probably say before pretty much every away game except against the very bottom sides that a, a point is good and I think that definitely applies to this game yeah true I, I mean I've done the this morning piece that went up at lunchtime is just looking at town September and they have quite a good September and this Stoke game is uh, is the hardest I'd say Blackburn at the end of the month is always a difficult game as well because you don't know which Blackburn are going to turn up but I would say a draw would be a fabulous result here a narrow defeat fine <laughs> fine you can can live with it town's season one way or another is not going to be defined by how they do against stoke away but then they follow that up with blackpool away which is a game they need to target and then forest at home which again forest could have a new manager by then they could still be in the mire no no one knows really but town enjoy playing against forest so that's another one to target and then i can't remember who they've got after that but they've got another game black blackpool swansea struggling as well yeah, Swansea who are struggling and who I, I said on the Undy Takes That Chance preview pod, I think they're going to have a tough season. So it looks like a favourable month. Let's just hope they continue in the same form, you know, in the same vein. It'd be good after that Stoke game, one way or another, win, lose or draw, just to have had another decent performance and then concentrate mm-hmm. on, on getting something out of Blackpool and then at home to Forest. Yeah, I mean, they, four, they four points three... from those three games would not be a disaster. Six points from say... those games would be an excellent return from those three games. I think. Yeah, I was about to say, looking at the month as a whole, obviously, you know, we've had ten from five so far. Mm-hmm. I think, given they've got three away games. Uh, yeah. rather than three home games this time you probably set your expectations a bit lower than that if they can get seven eight points yeah, from seven. the next five that's good going anything over seven would be phenomenal really yeah yeah good I mean it's it's nice to be cautiously optimistic mm. <laughs> rather than sort of doom and gloom it's funny how Stoke always seems to be sort of the defining game of Stoke away is almost the defining game of town season because I think that 1-0 win two years ago that you know first win of the year and then like Last year you had the 4-3 defeat that basically summed up Towns entire season really so yeah it's funny how uh, how it's always stoke away dave thanks for joining us uh where can people get you on twitter uh at david hartrick which h-a-r-t-r-i-c-k because i get a lot of people spelling it hat trick lovely appropriate for a center forward uh i'm at stephen chicken 
We're at Examiner HTAFC. Make sure you sign up to the newsletter. When you're next on the site, means you get all of your town news direct to your inbox. And subscribe to the podcast as well. And why not leave a review? We never ask you to leave reviews, but why not give it a go? We'll see you next time. See you Goodbye. <laughs>